Here's Alex Dean for Jay McClendon. Slapped away by Willie Mitchell. Burroughs quickly goes after the puck. The Sedins are coming with him. He shot, he scores! Alex Burroughs with 19 seconds left in overtime sends the Vancouver Canucks to the second round of the playoffs. And welcome back into the Canucks and Pucks podcast uh, on game day of the Canucks uh, playing game five of the St. Louis series. Uh, very excited to be joined by Chris Faber of Canucks Combo podcast and uh, Canuck Army uh, and also joined by my co-host Dan. Uh, thanks for joining us, Chris. Uh, how's your day going? Uh, it's going good so far. I just uh, got off the phone with Rob Fay. We were doing a little bit of chatting on the uh, Patreon for Canucks Combo. And, uh, yeah, just wrapped up another article, put that out for Canucks Army, and uh, about to get started on my post game here pretty soon. Awesome. It's been a rough ride, a roller coaster, I would say, with the Canucks so far here in the playoffs. Uh, got through that Minnesota series, and now, and after being up to nothing, now tied uh, in the series. Uh, first thing we want to talk about is the, the lineup that the Canucks are going to roll out uh, later tonight. I saw the article about Adam Goddard. That's the first thing I really want to talk about is Adam Goddard coming back into the lineup. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh, there's definitely some options, and I think it's a good move to uh, to bring in Adam Goddard right now because this team looks like they need a little bit of a spark, and, man, like nothing gets the team going. I know nothing gets the fans going, like a Adam Goddard celebration on a goal. So oh, yeah. if you were to get a little bit of Selly season going right now, I think that would fire up everyone, but just looking at it from you know a point of view of what the other players in the bottom six have been able to accomplish lately I think that uh, I really like Zach McEwen's game in the first couple of games I thought he was effective he was physical uh, he was good with the puck and then I think he lost one of those three things possibly two of them uh, in games three and four I didn't mm-hmm. think he was that effective uh, I thought he was still physical I thought he was still skating well but I, I just felt like he was a little bit maybe tentative with the puck or just wasn't really picking up the puck like he was in the first couple of games and you know, when you start to have a player slump a little bit like that and you have a guy like Adam Gaudet, you know, with NHL experience, uh, I think you probably want to just make a switch and go with him. And that makes it tough looking at the bottom six because you're saying, you know, does Adam Gaudet just hop in and play wing? Because I've been pretty impressed with Brandon Sutter at center. Uh, you're not going to move Jay Beagle off of center. So it's going to be interesting to see what Travis Green comes with uh, tonight against them in game five because there's really a lot of different avenues this thing could go down. Yeah, I mean, with, with Zach McEwen, it's like he did have a really good games one and two he's physical he's a big body and he was doing a lot of the stuff that we wanted Jake Bertanen to do uh in mm-hmm. the first place but like yeah I do agree with that I'm not sure about like, at first I wasn't sure about McEwen being the one coming out but I mean, made a good real good points in your article there I mean the thing is is Bertanen still has that speed we'd like him to play a bit better uh in using that speed and size but I mean he still brings that yeah I think at five on five you're you're probably going to get more out of Jake Bertanen right now, especially if you're going to take, you know, if you're looking at taking one of the two out of the lineup, I think you've got to look at what they're going to bring on the special teams unit uh, and hands down, that's going to be Jake Bertanen more valuable. What he can bring on the power play is, is excellent. That second power play unit's going to be a lot better if you have Adam Gaudet and Jake Bertanen there. I mean, look at what they had when Bertanen was out of the lineup. They were running out, you know, Antoine Roussel, Brandon Sutter, Louis Erickson was getting time. I mean, these aren't, uh, these aren't guys you want to have on your power play unit, even if it is your second one. So, I think they're going to bring a lot to that second unit if you get Adam Gaudet and Jake Rattan in the lineup. And 
you know, if Jake actually gets on his horse a little bit and maybe gets a kick in the ass with Travis Green <laughs> going into game five here, like maybe he does come out and have a good game. And I think that if you get a good game from Zach McEwen and you get a good game from Jake Rattanen and then you compare the two, I think you're getting more out of a good game from Jake Rattanen. So I would kind of bank on that in game five. And that's kind of my my idea of looking at taking McEwen out of the lineup instead of Jake Rattanen because I've, I've seen people talk about it. Like people on Twitter are all about it. That seems to be one of the big discussions right now. Like, would McEwen or Jake Rattanen make more sense? And and I have time for both sides of the argument. Like, I don't think people yeah. saying that Jake's should come out are idiots. Uh, I just think that that I'm right. <laughs> I think that my take <laughs> is the right way uh, would take a McEwen out just because, like, I'm looking at the potential, right? Like, these, yeah, these yeah. guys bring a lot to the game. Zach McEwen can bring a lot, but I just think that Jake can bring more if he goes out and plays a good game tonight. Hey, uh, Don Cherry. I'm sorry. I mean, Chris uh, Faber there. Um, <clears throat> one of the things, and I know we, we talked about this on your podcast at the beginning of the season. One of the things that Matt and I also talked about defensively is, and I know Fattenberg deserves to play. He absolutely does. He's, he's been stellar. He's been really good for them. However, uh, we know that they targeted the right side of the defense um, last game. And one thing that and, and again, it's not that I'm big on Ole Olevi, like he, he deserves to play. It's just that the one skill set that Olevi has that they're really lacking and is a massive, almost vital component of the Canucks game plan is to push the puck up the ice. And that's the one thing that Olevi gives you that neither Jordy Ben, uh, Fattenberg, uh, any of the other players that they have right now that, that could potentially play he brings that to their lineup and the blues have the Canucks playing a very East to West game right now. Like they are basically just, it's, it's, it's in their zone East West versus pushing that puck up North, which is what gave the blues so many challenges uh, in the first uh, kind of three games that way, or spread them out and, and prevented them from playing their game. What are your thoughts on, on bringing your levy in for that, for that specifically? Well, you don't want to take out a good Canadian kid like Jordy Ben. No, I won't go full Don Cherry on you, but I, like I think that uh, I get what you're saying, and I think that you know Olia Levy can be can be useful, but like this is a huge moment, man. This is Game Five in a playoff series of the Round One when you are playing against the Stanley Cup champions. Um, I I've seen some good play from Olia Levy. Don't get me wrong, but I've also you know I've seen some of the bad play you know from watching him play at the AHL level, and I think that some of the problems that you saw in his game at the HL level weren't necessarily physical things like a lot of people were thinking. Like, yeah, the skating wasn't great, uh, and it definitely improved seeing him at training camp. Like, I think the time off was excellent for him there. But I don't know if he was able to improve on his decision-making yet. Like, if he's going to go out there and play a lot of minutes um, and, and be forced to make a lot of quick decisions against a team like the St. Louis Blues, who, you know, famously they went to the damn Stanley Cup and won it because yeah. of a four-check and good goaltending last year. I think that, you know, that would scare me a little bit. Um, but you know what? Like, if the Canucks were in a different situation, like if the Canucks would have came out and lost the first two games of this series, I think you could seriously have a discussion about, you know, would Ole Levy benefit from coming into the lineup? But that's that's for that's a discussion I think for fans to have. But Travis Green, just just knowing him and just seeing the way that he's coached and the way that he enjoys having veterans in, you know, I, I just don't think that that thought's even crossing his mind to be honest right now. Okay, so if that's a fair, and I think that's a fair argument, then how, if he has to adjust his game plan and adjust the team's game, would you not agree then that their chances of winning are, are really, are really low then? Like, like it really diminishes their chances because they're no longer playing the game that they're, 
um, you know, designed or, or used to playing that they've practiced on for, for so many, so much, they, they now have to um, play that, like I said, East West and, and pretty much be hemmed in your zone because you're not capable of getting the puck out of your zone. Yeah. And you saw that big time. Like how many times did we see the, the St. Louis blues have, you know, three shifts in a row from three different lines where they just controlled the puck in the offensive zone of the Canucks for the whole time. And it was just, it's tough to see a breakout. And then you just kind of hope that they can get a line chain, line chain to get the Quinn Hughes line out there. That seemed like the only pairing that was able to make a good pass out of their zone. And, you know, maybe that's got to come into a little bit about having the forwards come back and help a little bit more. Maybe they have to get the puck out in a different way. So like, you're right. I think that this day off would have been a great day for them to reevaluate some things. And, you know, that's what we see a lot in these playoffs right now. It's, it's not really about building momentum. You know, like the Canucks went off and won those two games, came into game three. The Blues came out with a different game plan. It seemed to work for them. It worked for them for two games. So now they get, you know, the ball's back in Vancouver's court right now. Are they able to adjust? Is Travis Green able to adjust to the game plan and, you know, outcoach Barube? Because Barube outcoached the hell out of them in game oh. three and four. And, you know, now it's going to be on him to, to make not only outcoach by, you know, the simple things like changing your lineup and bringing a new player possibly like Adam Gaudet. But you're right, like making the game plan different. Like the Canucks, when they were playing against Jordan Bennington, Jordan Bennington had the Canucks team against Jordan Bennington was the shortest average shot distance against him. So their average shots were coming from 32 feet. When they faced Jake Allen, it increased by six feet. The average shot was 38 shots. That's one of the lower parts uh, throughout these playoffs. So if the Canucks can get back to that way of just getting the puck in the offensive zone and getting shots in tight, I think that's going to be huge. But you, you don't get there if you can't break the puck out and get into the offensive zone. So something's got to change. Um, and I do think that that third pairing's actually been pretty good together so far mm -hmm. at controlling the play. Uh, and, you know, that shows in the Corsi numbers and some of the shot share as well. But, I, yeah, like it, it's something about the Edler-Stetcher pairing that has just been boxed in their zone right now. You're seeing possession numbers that are just ridiculous. I know they're matching up against the Ryan O'Reilly line a lot, but there is, there is something that's got to change. And I just, you know, like I wonder because there's not really a move you can make on the defense core now, right? Like, like they're like legitimately it would be great to see a Rafferty or a Levy come in, guys that can move the puck and that's the strength of their game. I just – I don't see Green going with that. I see him, you know, talking with Nolan Baumgartner at length about what they can do to increase the breakouts and maybe look at something a little different. But the Canucks need to – they need to skate a hell of a lot more in game five than they did in game four because that was, that was one of the worst games I've seen them play all year, I think. Well, and, and again, that's like eight games in 14 uh, days, you know, a few overtimes. Um, well, I, I don't even know if you count game – uh, four versus a while it really isn't overtime but but you know like um i think you're right about fattenberg and, and jordy ben i do agree that they played really well uh i think it's just it goes back to what you were saying and and you know matt and i have talked about this that when you get the connects playing an east west game that's when they struggle that's when they have lots of problems when they're again when they're pushing the puck and they're pushing the play up they do a lot better. And again, um, I understand what you're saying about the veterans. And I agree, that's probably what will happen. But <clears throat> you're, you're really hurting your own team's chances by playing into the St. Louis Blues um, uh, wheelhouse, right? And, it, you know, it's, uh, they'll get some rest and it's good. But I just, you know, I think that that's, that's something to watch towards today because if that happens and you see that happening, um, you know, it's going to be a long night for Vancouver if they have to continue to play East-West. And by the way, uh, the reason the Stetcher-Edler pairing is, is, is uh, struggling, and I, and I want your comment on this too, Alex Edler has been just deplorable this entire series. 
this is like the Edler that people were going, why are we resigning Edler? Um, I haven't seen, I don't know if he's battling an injury or something, but he has looked nothing like what he did versus the Minnesota wild. He looks horrible. Yeah. I think, I think game one, he looked fine. Uh, I think game two, you know, this is where it started to go downhill and then three and four, you really saw it. I mean, Game four, that's when you start to see, like, the worn-down Alex Edler that we normally get in game 70 to 75 of the season if he's not injured at that point. But, um, yeah, I think that what you're seeing from them and trying to battle against, like, the East-West that you're talking about, that's right up the Blues alley, too, like, right? Like, they're going to go in, they're going to forecheck hard, and they're getting the puck back when they're forechecking against the Vancouver Canucks, which is forcing them, you know, when they do break out of the offensive zone, the Blues have such a strong forecheck through this neutral zone that it's just, like, it's so hard to break. Their sticks are everywhere. It seems like they're in every single lane. And maybe the Canucks just need to carry the puck up more a little bit, you know, like trust the skill of a guy with JT Miller's speeds, you know, coming down the wing, Elias Patterson coming down the wing, Bo Horvat coming down the wing. Like they're going to have to just go in and beat one guy, you know, beat one guy to gain the zone instead of trying to make these passes because this Blues team is so well coached. Uh, you know, they play their system absolutely to a T. And you're right, you can't beat them at that game. You're going to have to beat them with the Canucks game. And I think that maybe that is just going back to, you know, the young skilled players. That's the strength of their team. Quinn Hughes carrying the puck up. Elias Pedersen carrying the puck through the zone. They need to do a little bit more of that and, you know, play a different game because, man, I, I can't write another goddamn post game like I did against <laughs> Stomach Game 4. Like, it just frustrates me. I, I go to bed all pissed off. It's not good. And I'm getting gray hairs in my beard. I'm 27. It's, it's not great. Like, the Canucks need to come out and do something different here because, uh, you know, this this game, this series could be over in six if it's just going to run like this for the last two games here. Yeah. I mean, the, I'd say I was probably the most frustrated in game four that I've been ever in. A, like, it's been a while. And yeah, I no, mean, might be right, yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since I've been that frustrated with watching watching the game. And the thing is, is that, yeah, they, they just aren't playing to their strength. Their strength are speed and the youth in the lineup. And they're just not doing it. I mean – as much as we rag, we ragged on Tyler Myers throughout the season. People on Twitter have, uh, he's made a difference in the lineup, and you see what he, what the difference is when he's not in the lineup. So I mean, I think Tyler Myers is a huge part of this team. Well, and like we said, Matt, it's it's hard to be humble. I mean, we we talked about this. I think I'm a, probably one of the only people who wasn't frustrated after that game, and it was because the Blues figured out how the Canucks played. The Canucks didn't have time to sit down after that overtime and break down what the blues were doing. And they pretty much came in with the exact same game plan. And you saw by the end of period three, it was just a clinic of if that's how you want to play, we know how to counter you. And the blues countered in chess, every single move that the, that the Canucks had because they didn't have time to make any changes. Yeah. And you know what, like this is where it's going to fall on, on guys like Manny Malhotra, guys like Nolan Baumgartner, guys on this assistant coaching group, and, you know, looking at their video guys like Aiden and Ryan Beach. I mean, like, these guys are, are paid good money to work for this Vancouver Canucks team to try and give ideas to Travis Green for him to execute. And, you know, it falls on them here. So if we get a win, I blame Ryan Beach for the win. If they get a loss, I won't put it on Beecher, though. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think that's a really good point, actually, because we, we mentioned it a little bit, but, you know, in game three, JT Miller was 89% in the face-up circle, 889 Bo Horvat mm -hmm. was 42, Brandon Sutter was 47, and Jay Beagle was 28%. Like, okay, if you have one guy winning 90% of the draws, that's great, but you're rolling four lines. So guess what? You don't have the puck <laughs> most of the time. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's you know, there's, there's, you know, there goes out the window, and I don't care if the stats say 51-49. 
you're if three of your guys are losing more than 50% of the draws, guess what? You're stuck in your zone almost all the time. Especially against this Blues team, right? I mean, like, you know, I, I always applaud Tanner Pearson for being one of the guys that's really good for the Vancouver Canucks in, in the cycle with, you know, it just feels like he's got like a lead stick. Like he's got a stronger stick than everyone on the boards, you know, when he's in these boards battles. And that's why I think he works so well with Horvat. Uh, because it just seems like that cycle seems to work with those two. They both have really strong sticks in the corners. But, you know, this whole Blues team is like that, right? It seems like, you know, all of their top six forwards, especially after Tarasenko got taken out of there, like I look at Shen, I look at Sanford, uh, I look at Ryan O'Reilly, obviously I don't even need to say his name. Everyone's seen what he's done. Like these guys are just simply dominating the Canucks. Uh, you know, when there's a stick on a stick and a puck in between it on the boards, it just seems like Blues players are getting it nine out of ten times out of the two. It's not even just face-offs, right? Like, yeah, the face-off numbers are something, but, you know, it, it, the board battles is where I'm seeing it more. And that's that's almost a stat that I wouldn't be surprised uh, if we see more tracking in the near future is just simply how much a player comes out of a board battle with because I think that that's actually a more valuable stat than almost seeing what you do in face-offs. And, like, I, I don't think we're more than a year or two away uh, from me seeing that as one of the new analytics numbers popping off. 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah, especially with the new player tracking that's coming in uh, next season. It's going to be interesting to see what more stats we can get <laughs> in the advanced stats. So, But that'd be a real key stat to follow once they get that in because it's true. Probably the Blues are really strong in that. Uh, they do come out of the battles a lot, and that's the strength of their game. Like they mentioned it, it's, that's what they do, and that's what how they beat teams. They get in there and they win battles. And the Canucks have been losing too many of those on the boards. And I mean, some of them come out with like O'Reilly getting a straight line to the net. And I mean, you're looking at uh, keep, you know, a skilled player coming in, they're going to score 99% of the time when they're given that much room. Oh yeah. Especially O'Reilly in that spot. I mean, that was, that one was tough to watch, you know, watching them be in a board battle where it's a two on two, then O'Reilly slips out, you know, it's a one on two battle. The Canucks should get that puck. And, and yeah, you know, O'Reilly gets out, has that much space. That was, that was like, you know, that was the one that just like, it just felt like it just cut me right off in the knees and I was just stuck there like that. I, as soon as that happened, I, I knew the Canucks weren't going to be coming back in this game. I mean, when you make an egregious mistake like that, like it's hard to come back from little things like that. And, you know, like this O'Reilly guy, man, like I know that he's getting a lot of hype right now, you know, similar to kind of what the Canucks were getting after game two. I mean, you, like you guys remember how the whole league was kind of falling in love with this young Canucks core. Yeah. Uh, I think that that hype is going to turn to pressure here pretty quickly. I think as soon as game five, and, and I wrote about this just the other day, I think that, you know, it, maybe the pressure is something that could be good for guys like Patterson and Hughes who haven't been bad this series. But if you want, you don't want them to not be bad. You want them to be excellent. You want them to be elite. You want them to be yeah. superstars. Right? And I think that hype, hype is just going to be like, okay, now I just, I just don't play bad. It's all good. You know, like we all have this hype behind us. It's cool. We're a good young team. But, like, shit, man, when you when you get some pressure on these guys, you know, maybe they start to say, like, okay, now we really got to step it up. And that's kind of what I was talking about in that article. And I think we might see that in game five tonight because, you know, Elias Pettersson at five-on-five, five, the guy has six shot attempts in 60-plus yeah. minutes five-on-five five this series. That's just not good enough. No. You know, like, that's not enough Pettersson shots on a backup goaltender in Jake Allen. I mean, this, this guy needs to have, you know, what did we see in the first series? You know, I mean – we saw shot attempts just coming out like crazy from some of these Minnesota wild players. And even though the Canucks were getting sticks on them, it was great. But man, like I need to see that from Elias Pedersen who has one of the best shots in the league and, you know, six and 60 minutes just isn't good enough at five on five. 
Yeah, it's not the uh, 1980s Oilers or the 80s Islanders that had so much skill they could hold on to the puck to make those beautiful plays. Like, they, the, you know, the Canucks aren't, aren't at that level yet. And like you said, they're really skilled. You know, Matt and I were talking about Brock Besser the other day too. And, and you, know, I, I, you know, I was saying that sometimes I think that Travis Green coaches the offense out of the team because he's trying to tell them to be so defensively responsible. And we know Pedersen already is. But because you're so defensively responsible, you don't even think about trying to score anymore. And then when you do get the puck, right, then it's like, okay, well, who do I pass it to to set that up instead of doing what you naturally should be doing, which is, which is, you know, shoot the puck. And, and, you know, like I said to Matt, like for Brock Besser specifically, like, you know, he's got to go to coach green and said, I'm a peacock buddy. Like I got to fly, you know, I can't be cooped up like this because Brock's doing nothing for Vancouver right now. And he's looking bad. And the criticism he's taking is really unfair. I think because the coach doesn't want them to score unless it's like an on-man rush or something where they, they get that pressure. Like, like, and I understand you got to play defensively. I'm not saying you shouldn't play defensively, but you are negating massive amounts of success in this series by uh, stagnating players uh, and not being able to use their natural abilities. Right. It's, it's the same reason why, you know, you, you don't ask Jay Beagle to score 40 goals this year. You know, you're never going to ask Jay Beagle to score 40 goals, but you also, but you shouldn't, you know, but they're asking Brock Besser to say, you know, we need you to be effective in your defense zone. We need you to have defense as a priority. Well, what the hell? That's a two way street, man. Like, you know, like get these guys out there and go play some offense. Brock Besser's shot. I was, I just had Jeff Patterson on the show uh, yesterday, actually, when we were recording and something that we both brought up was, you know, like we both watched him at training camp live. We watched him after practice. We watched him during practice. And it seemed like Brock Besser was ripping that shot. Like we saw in his rookie season, like the time off was good for a lot of players. I think it was good for Brock Besser to kind of get fully healthy. And, you know, I think the shot strength is back with him and I would like to see it a little bit more, even though, you know, he's attempted quite a few shots. I think he's attempted 12 shots. Uh, in this series, which is, you know, fine. That's pretty good for five on five. But, you know, like, it's just something about the lotto line that it's something that Elias Pedersen talked to me at training camp about um, is guys like him and Goldobin is what he was talking about when I was asking the question. And I didn't think I'd be talking about Goldobin on a Canucks podcast right now, but uh, Elias <laughs> Pedersen mentioned that uh, he liked playing with guys like Goldobin and Louis Erickson because they, they like that one extra pass mentality. It's, it's the European type of way to play is what he said. And, you know, maybe they're just bringing a little bit too much of that and they just need to start getting some shots on. Because, like I said, guys, like, this, this is a backup goaltender they're going up against. And I know Jordan Bennington was one of the best goaltenders throughout the season. They chased him out of that. And I think that if you're not going to be getting these good shots on on Jake Allen, like, you're, you know, they're throwing this series away if they can't get good shots on him because he's not going to stop everything. You know, he's not an elite goaltender in this league. No. Jacob Markstrom's a much better goalie. Uh, I think he's going to come out and steal one of these two games for the Canucks. And I... I think they have a chance to get by, but it's going to you're, – you're right. Like, there's a lot that needs to change uh, from game three and four if they want to get back into this thing in five, six, seven. Well, the thing is about about the O'Reilly line that's now going to be matched. Now the next game is uh, a road game again, and they're not going to get those nice matchups uh, away from Ryan O'Reilly. And the thing is, that line is just eating them alive. I said that, you know, in other podcasts that – they just seem to be able to keep stuff in the zone and Pedersen's line has to be able to get the puck out. And when they do, it just doesn't seem like they still only have like one five on five shot against that line. And that's just not good enough. Yeah, it simply isn't. And I, you know, like I, I'm trying to watch like, Oh, what are the, what's the O'Reilly line doing to the lotto line when the lotto lines in the zone? 
they're really keeping them on the outside. Like they're giving them an outside shot, like a real outside shot, but they're sitting down like, uh, and they're just giving them the kind of the board battles. They're not giving anything towards the net. And I think that's what this blues team does so well defensively as a five man unit is, you know, they sent up, they set up so well to say that, okay, all the only option you have is to play the puck into the corners. We'll give you the corners if you can beat us there, but they're not going to give you anything into the net. And they collapse so strongly that, you know, that's limiting the lotto line a little bit and forcing them to see, you know, shots from far from the lotto line right now, five on five. Like you might get a shot from the point, but you're not seeing any dangerous shots from Elias Pettersson or Brock Besser. Aside from that one that Elias Pettersson had uh, when he kind of dangled around the defender who bumped into each other there. And, you know, that yeah. was on an odd rush as well. But when you're seeing stuff get set up in the offensive zone, they're just giving them both the corners. They say both these corners are where you can move the puck. Don't bring it towards the net. And the Blues are just doing a great job defensively like that. And I think that runs when you have three great defensive forwards on the O'Reilly line there. Like, they're, they're just completely shutting them down right now. And they're going to have to do something different. They're going to have to get aggressive. They're just going to have to beat one man. Because when you have a team that collapses that hard, you know, you beat one man and then you get to the next one and then you have an open pass or a shot, you know, with a guy out of position. And that's the only thing, like, you see Pedersen pulling those deeks right now. He hasn't really been able to finish any of them. Okay. But look at what happens when Bo Horvat pulled those deeks off. He had so much space on these guys. You know, it, it's going to have to be the Canucks willing the way back into this and just going out and say, like, I can beat this man. I'm going to beat this man. And that's when we're going to have the advantage from there because if they keep coming with this crap that they brought in game three and four, they're going yeah, to get run out of the building here. Yeah, I, I agree totally. And the thing is, is the biggest thing I think the Canucks just have to do is play – the game that they're suited to play, like Dan's been mentioning too. And I get it is a hard thing to do against this Blues team because they're very good at shutting that speed down. And we saw it uh, throughout the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs last year. Uh, they did shut down a few really skilled, fast teams too. And, uh, you know, they're, they're just good at what they do and their, their system they believe in and they're fully invested in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like – you know what? Like, I, I see what Ryan O'Reilly is doing, and, and I don't think that there's a better two-way center – uh, in this league, I saw Thomas Durant was breaking down some video, uh, just watching little battles that he did, and he slowed down the video. And you just see where Ryan O'Reilly's stick is just – it's so strong. Like, I, I think that, like, McKinnon's line would be struggling against him. I think McDavid and Drysaddle would be struggling against him. Like, the, the Canucks are going to struggle against this O'Reilly line no matter what. Um, but I do think that this is a time where, you know, the lotto line is one of the best scoring lines in the NHL, and they kind of need to step it up a little bit here at 5-on-5 five five because, you know, power plays are great. But when yeah. you go 0 for 7, you lose every single game if you're going to rely on your power play, right? So they need right. more scoring at 5-on-5. Five five. They only have five goals, I believe, so far at 5-on-5 five five this series. Uh, and, you know, if they can get two or three tonight, I think that would be huge. If the bottom six can come up and give an addition to the offense, uh, that just that hasn't happened, right? The only goal that hasn't come from the lotto line is the one from Troy Stetcher. Yeah. Uh, so, or, or and Bo Horvat, I guess, as well with the two. But you know, that five on five needs to be better, uh, especially that bottom six. They're, they're getting crushed right now in their zone. I think Adam Goddard can do, do something there, but uh, all in all, they just need to be better. Otherwise, yeah, they're going to be out of here in six and golf in next week. <laughs> yeah. And I, I got to be honest, Chris, and I mean this genuinely and as much as my Canucks fan, I don't know if the bottom six can be any better. Uh, the only mm-hmm. way it's going to, it's so the only way it's going to be better is if um, Adam Goddard can come in and, and use his speed and just force them to take penalties. 
Right. I mean, and that, and that's the thing about the power play um, too, is that, you know, everyone's ragging on them for having one bad game. It's been pretty darn good for three out of the, out of the four okay. games. So, so utilize your speed and force them to start taking penalties again, because I think that that's really important for Vancouver to get to that point and not get frustrated, but just keep going at it because you know, the officials that that's their job. And, and, you know, when it gets too much, they, they are either going to look really bad or they're going to have to start calling the penalties, which they haven't been afraid to call them in this series. No, no for sure. Yeah. On. The thing is about, and the power play was 0 for 7, like you mentioned, and they've got to adjust some things there too, because the Blues have done, did a really good job penalty killing as well. So, but the biggest thing, I think they didn't get enough shots on those, those power plays either. I mean, there's a lot of that trying to set up a perfect shot. They just got to get some shots. Like you said, yeah. five on five too, but power play needs to get a lot of shots too. Yeah. Before you answer that, Chris, I just wanted to say when we talked yesterday, I don't know if you heard it, but I was saying that, and I know Pedersen is a great guy. He feels bad when he hurts someone with his shot, but I think Bresser and him, they have two of the most important weapons on that power play. Those two guys should be hammering shots no matter what. And if the blues are crazy enough to get in front of them and get injured by them, no offense, but tough titty. That's life. And they shouldn't worry about injuring those guys. They should be pounding that puck left, right, and center and making them scared to take, to take those, those shots. And then that will force them to not take the penalties because they're going to get killed if they take the penalties. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's strange to say because it's almost like, oh, you, you know, like you hurt a player in baseball when you hit him with the pitch. But, you know, it's a lot different in hockey because, yeah, like you bring up a good point. If you don't want to get on the penalty kill and block a shot from Pedersen or Besser, like don't take the penalties then, right? Or, you know, you know, in that power play, the quarterback position. And, you know, Brock Besser just doesn't seem to like to move from that spot very much. He's just down there, uh, you know, behind the goal, setting up a Brock Besser pass, maybe to Bo Horvat if it's there, but it's mostly just going right back to J.C. Miller. And I just don't – I don't see anything really from Brock Besser on the power play as looking like dangerous right now. So I, I think the, the option might be to move JT Miller back down there. That's where he had a lot of success news with the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, and putting Brock Besser back on that left side for the one-timer uh, and for him to, you know, take two steps to his right and rip one of those wrist shots because then he's, he's back to being a dangerous threat on the power play and, and they're just not using him as one right now. Yeah, I agree with that, especially with Brock Besser. I mean, I still don't think the Canucks use him enough uh, in that one-time position. He's always seems to be cleaning up the garbage in the on the power play rather than uh, being a threat in that one time which is so good at i'd even i'd even envision honestly um moving jt miller off the top power play to be honest i think he actually hurts it a little more than helps it and and i know that sounds weird but with horvat you know down low and i just think that you know as good as jt miller is you might be able with godet and vertan and like you had mentioned there to you know, create a, a little better of a second power play and just allow Brock Bester to feel more comfortable shooting instead of feeling like he has to pass to JT Miller or Bor Hovat. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's what Tyler Toffoli brings, right? I mean, like, you bring Tyler Toffoli in, uh, and he's so impactful for that first unit. I think he's a better player to have there than Brock Besser. And then, like you said, you can open that up. Like, maybe Brock Besser goes into the bumper position on the second unit. And then he has Jay Furtan on his right now and got in on his left. Like, I like the idea of having, you know, three levels of shooters, even though they're all righties. It seems a little crazy uh, to say to have that on one power play unit. But 
you know, that you could, if with Tyler Toffoli coming back, you know, if he is able to come back in game five and like, nobody knows, right? Like nobody knows what's yeah. going on. Travis Green right now, you know, I've heard him talk early on in the series a little bit about him making the decision between using a player that's at 70, 80% versus using a player that's at a hundred percent. And I wonder if that's the battle that's going on right now with Tyler Toffoli. Like is Travis Green going with a hundred percent Zach McEwen instead of an 80% Tyler Toffoli? Because if, if that's the case, you know, it might be time to test out that 80% Tyler Toffoli right now. Yeah, as long as, as long as he doesn't replace Brock on the lotto line, I'm good. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I desperately need to see him with, with Tanner Pearson and Bo Horvat. If I, I honestly, Toffoli on that line just doesn't seem – I don't think he meshes as well as, as, as Travis Green thinks he does. Um, but mm-hmm. Toffoli and, and Pearson, we know they have chemistry. Bo Horvat has chemistry with Pearson. Just get him on that second line and, and let's see what happens from there. Yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been calling for that since the trade happened. I remember saying, you know, like, you know, everyone was like, oh, everyone and their dog knew that Toffoli was going to go out and play with Pearson and play with Horvat. Horvat was going to have those two wingers that he trusts. And then didn't game one once. comes out and he wasn't it there. It didn't happen and once. wondering what the hell's going on. But yeah, yeah, no. yeah. never Playoffs once. is the time to do it, man. Give us, yeah, yeah give us 80% uh, Tyler Toffoli if you got him because I think he can help a lot on this team. And even if he's at 80%, I think he can bring a lot more on the power play because you don't have to – you know, have as many tough battles on the power play. And I think that's where uh, he helps his team probably possibly the most, you know, like definitely rounds out the top six uh, as a player who is a definitely top six player. But yeah. you look at that first power play, you know, where so much offense is generated from and adding a, a you know, a, a fide skilled player, fide scorer uh, in Tyler Toffoli is just huge to this team. And, and they, you know, they're missing him a lot right now because he would really secure up a lot of things. I agree. If only there was a sample size, like if only they had won a couple Stanley Cups with another team that we could judge this on and say, hey, I think it's worth possibly trying this out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If yeah, only, so, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, so just to start wrapping up here, um, let's get one key from you, Chris, uh, to win this game and uh, get a lead in the series here. Yeah, I think uh, top six controlling the goal share at five on five is going to be huge. Um, they're going to play a ton of minutes against the Shen line. They're going to play a ton of minutes against the O'Reilly line. Uh, I expect to see Barube plays the wheels off of those guys uh, in this one. I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, 15 plus minutes of Ryan O'Reilly's line at five on five tonight if we're staying away from the penalty box. Um, I think we're going to see a lot less penalties in this game. I think it's going to be, you know, three, four, maybe for each team, you know, at the max. Uh, but we'll see how this one plays out. And I think that the biggest key right now is, is simply that, you know, outscore their top five uh, or sorry, their top six at five on five and uh, continue to, to, to kind of win the goal battle right now in the power play because, uh, you know, the bottom six, they, they're not going to score goals, unfortunately, for this Vancouver Canucks team. Uh, maybe they get a boost with Adam Gaudet, but um, the big key is going to be that top six. And if they can control the goal share at five on five, even if they don't control possession stats, I just don't really predict that happening. But, you know, make the most of the opportunities that you get for that top six. Uh, you know, don't be afraid to be confident. Go into the zone with that Bo Horvat game one and game two mentality. Uh, and, and let's see that mentality go through some of these other skilled players like Elias Pettersson, you know, Brock Besser, JT Miller. Watch that whole lotto line have some confidence tonight uh, and just control the goal share, man. If they can if they can control the goal share, I think this Canucks team will be all right. But uh, effort's going to be the big thing, though. If they come back with the same effort like they did in game four, um, yeah, I'll start writing my post-game wrap-up for game six. And it, will be, uh, <laughs> it was a fun season will be the title of that one. All right. 
Yeah. Um, so thanks, Chris, for coming on the podcast. It was great talking with you, and hopefully we can get you on again. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, guys. I'm, I'm pretty bummed you had Quadrelli on before me, but uh, I won't be <laughs> too mad at him. You know, I mean, he's the guy who goes on vacation when the Canucks are in a playoff series, but whatever. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, Chris. Uh, always great <laughs> right. talking with you. <laughs> you bet, guys. Awesome. Have a good thanks one. Thanks so much, Chris. Hopefully we'll see you at uh, training camp uh, if this ends Thanks, Chris, for coming on the podcast. It was all, it's always great talking with you and uh, reading your stuff on Canucks Army and um, uh, listening to you on Canucks Convo. So it's it's always great to have you on. Um, hopefully we can get you on again. And, uh, yeah, so the Canucks are playing today at uh, 7.30. So, yeah, tune into that because it's going to be a key game, as we said. There's a lot of stuff the Canucks need to adjust. Hopefully they can get uh, get that fixed up, anything they do. And hopefully we see Tyler Toffoli and make a surprise return to the lineup as well. So it's going to be, it's going to be a great game, and hopefully it's not as frustrating as Game Four uh, in the end. So um, for me and Dan, thanks for listening, and thank you, Chris. And uh, you can follow Chris Faber at uh, on Twitter, Chris Faber thirty nine, and you can read his stuff on Canucks Army and listen to him on Canucks Combo uh, podcast. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and go Canucks, go! And you can follow us at Canucks Pucks on Twitter. And follow us on Facebook as well. Give us a like. We have some great, more great guests coming up uh, as the weeks go on here. Uh, Sat Shaw from AM650 at one point. Uh, we also are going to probably have Clay Emo coming back on as well. Hopefully it's talking about uh, the next series, not uh, post-mortem on this one. Uh, so thanks, um, thanks everyone for listening and for, uh, you know, upping our, our ratings on the charts there. Uh, it's great to, to say that we're in the top 150 in hockey podcasts now. So that's thanks to all our followers and listeners. Hopefully we're giving you some stuff to think about over time here. And uh, it's going to be great to keep talking about the Canucks, even if it is ultimately in the off season, there's going to be a lot to talk about as well. But we'll go back to our weekly episodes um, coming out on Mondays. So lots of stuff planned in the future for this podcast. So thanks again for everyone's support. And uh, again, we're part of the Hockey Writers uh, Podcast Network over there. And uh, remember to read uh, read the articles there. We, I just dropped an article about uh, team former teammates that the Canucks could use in this series. I also got Jet Wu's spotlight profile coming out. I go through his journey towards the NHL and his journey to dub in the dub, and uh, hopefully in his AHL debut next season at some point. So uh, it's going to be interesting to follow him. Uh, you can read that dropping tomorrow morning. And thanks again. And uh, go Canucks, go.